Cameron Community Church, Camp CC, as I affectionately call it. My name is David Hurtado. I am the lead pastor. So glad that you are here with us. If you're our guest, please uh, come say hi to me in between services. Uh, I try to hang out in the patio. If you've been here for 30 years and you still need to talk to me, come see me in between services. Love to kind of get to know you. So excited, man. This is like the series that I've been waiting for. Tons excited about what we're doing at the end of this month. I'll, if you weren't here last week, I'll give you a little introduction to what we're doing. Uh, but first, let me just say this. It is a National Adoption Sunday, and uh, I've, I've told the adoption people it's like the worst Sunday in the world to do it because uh, we got so many other things going on. It's hard to highlight everything we got to do. But uh, if you are, uh, you know, a foster care family, adoption family, obviously near and dear to my heart, my wife and I foster adopted children. Uh, uh, we would love to fan that flame of God using uh, people to really help orphans is what it is. And so we have a t- table out afterwards if you want to talk to somebody uh, about adoption, foster care, how can you be involved. Uh, we actually have a uh, another community-minded initiative planned during the new year in that realm where we can uh, make an effect with little foster and adopted kids. Let's switch the subject before I start crying. And so, <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, so if you are in that realm, we want to say excited about you, and we do want to highlight that day today. Uh, last week, we started uh, a series called Overflow, and we're going to be in it for four weeks. This is week two really unveiling how this is going to be a monster special month for our church. How many of you guys are our Facebook friends online for Camry Community? Good. So you saw, saw a video of me. Uh, I did a little video, kind of a, a recap of what we talked about last week. Uh, it got like 1,200 hits. So that is church viral. And so, so if, you haven't, if you haven't seen it yet, you want to go there. If you haven't become a friend of ours on Facebook, you've got to be a part of that. So when we do little Facebook Live things, you can be a part of it. But it's going to be a special, special month. We're going to do something amazing at the end of this month. We're actually going to receive an offering on November 26th. And that offering, 100% of it will go out these doors, okay? Not $1 will stay in the facility. Won't, not $1 will go to lights, water, any salary on staff. None of that will happen. Every dollar given on that Sunday and that that week, between November 26th and the 30th, will go to another church. We found a church plant that we uh, have decided we wanted to help. They are, they are uh, a little bit in a struggling situation, and so uh, we've said we want to help them. Our elders just got together on Saturday. I'm being told that was an awesome little time. I wasn't able to be there myself, but our elders got together with their elders, and we're celebrating what we're hoping will be the infusion of life into that church that will take them another 20 and 30 years, whereas six months ago, they're concerned about closing. Hopefully our infusion will say, no, God has another plan for you. So we're going to be doing that November 26th through the 30th, a special Sunday on the 26th. You want to make sure you be here for that. We're going to even receive the offering in a special way. It's going to be a powerful, powerful Sunday as we see God do something through our generosity collectively as we try to help another church. So we haven't said the name of the church. The church is in Ventura County. I won't tell you where or when or anything about that until November 26th. Uh, I understand I got some negative feedback. Why can't you tell us the church? Because that secret will get you to come back on the 26th. That's why. <laughs> All right. No, but secondly, and I said this in the video if you watched it, I was the kid who quote unquote was in the free lunch line as a kid, and I know what it feels like to be looked upon, and oh, that's the free lunch line. And so we wanted to spare this church as much dignity as possible, but I do believe that it's important for you to know where the gifts are going and where they are, and uh, who knows, maybe God will inspire some of us to go and serve there for a little while as well. So come back the 26th and know more about that. And we will uh, definitely uh, get that going. But the idea of the, of, the, of the series is overflow. Remember that illustration I gave last week? 
of, of when you go on a cruise and they do the champagne glasses in a pyramid format at the very top and they take champagne, they pour it on the top and it trickles down all the way through. And that if we will allow God who richly is generous to us in the form of Jesus Christ spiritually, and then let's just be real, we live in California. God has obviously blessed us. Uh, if, if we look at other third world parts of the world, we go, okay, we've been blessed. If we will allow God his generosity and we don't put up a wall, he can actually use that same generosity to bless other people. And somebody needs to build me a champagne pyramid to put on the stage, and we'll do it. Not champagne, though, because we'll offend some people. We'll do it Martinelli's, which tastes better than champagne anyway. And, and we'll, we'll just watch it, and that's what we're trying to emulate, the very generosity of God coming to us and then going through us to bless other people. And so that's what we're looking at, and uh, so excited because what this allows us to do, okay, let's just get real now. What this allows us to do, the elephant in the room is, of course you want us to give because we pay your salary. Uh, or let's give together and build a new building, and we're giving to God, but it's really coming to us. And, and there's that whole, it can seem self-serving. What we're doing with this initiative saying so clearly, we're doing something that is not at all self-serving. Every dollar is going out the doors. Now we can look at the scriptures and look at what God says about generosity without worrying about that elephant in the room. And so that's what we're going to do today. All right. So we're going to power through both Old Testament and New Testament passages. And we're going to look at some passages that are tough to swallow sometimes. And, and it's going to make me feel a little restless. But I need you to power through with me. Because at the end of this thing, we're talking about popcorn. So we're going to power through so we can get to the popcorn. All right, and here's the thing. I need nobody, you're gonna make a commitment to yourself right now. We're gonna power through this. I'm gonna give my best. I'm gonna give my attention. I'm gonna, God's talking to me here. We're gonna talk about the word. I'm gonna, even though it might be a little uncomfortable, I'm gonna do all that. And why would I do all that? Because there is popcorn at the end of this thing, all right? And so, everybody turn to somebody and say, power through. Power through. And now say popcorn. Power. <laughs> That's awesome. That may come back. That might be a refrain that we say in the message a couple times. Okay. So we're going to uh, dive into what God's word says about generosity. What does the Bible specify about intentional giving? Should my giving be uh, project driven or should it be purpose driven? Is there another reason why I would give it? Everybody loves to give to projects, but is there another reason why I would give regularly? And finally, do my values affect my potential for generosity? The things I value, does that affect my potential for generosity? And so we'll look to the screen and we're going to answer this overall question today. What does the Bible have to say about regular intentional generosity? What does the Bible have to say about regular intentional generosity? We're going to look through both Testaments. In fact, we're going to start with the Old Testament. Let's look at generosity in the Old Testament. Now, if you were here for the Malachi series, I'm going to do a really quick, like two-minute recap of one section, because in Malachi chapter three, we actually dove into tithing a little bit. And the Old Testament idea of regular giving is this idea of a tithe, okay? And so I would encourage you, if you weren't here, go back online, Malachi chapter three. It's the third week of that series, and you'll get more in detail, but let me just do a quick little rehearsal, all right? It all starts back in the Old Testament. They have this thing called a tie that just means a tenth. Uh, $1 of every 10, $10 of every 100, $100 of every 1,000, right? A tenth of everything came to God, okay? They brought it to God, all right? And it all started because Israel, as you remember, are, are enslaved to this Pharaoh guy in Egypt. And so they are not a free people. They are an enslaved people. The Egyptian ruler, the Pharaoh, rules over them. They don't get to have, they have food and they have shelter, but they're not free. They don't get to run their society the way they'd like it. They don't get to 
to run their religious practices the way they would like to. And so they're sitting under this oppression, and they say, God, get us out of here, and God raises up a leader named Moses, and Moses goes to the Pharaoh and says, you will let my people go. And he says, no, 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 I'm not. And, and he says, yes, yes, you will, because I'm going to do these 10 plagues, and these 10 plagues are going to convince you that you should let my people go. Uh, plague number one through number 10, they kind of progress in their consequence. They get bigger and bigger and consequentially until the 10th plague, you'll remember, the firstborn male child of every household would die in that plague, all right? This is very important because it's actually gonna lead to the very thing that sets up this whole idea of a tithe, all right? And so every firstborn male child would die and every firstborn male livestock would die as well. And this would be the plague that, um, you know, uh, Moses or Charleston Heston, depending on your frame of reference, would get the Pharaoh to, to, to actually flip his tune and say, okay, I'll let your people go. And so what happens is this death angel comes over, all right, and flies over, and every house that didn't have the blood on the doorpost, remember this? The blood of a lamb was placed on every doorpost. If, he, if the death angel saw the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, he would pass over them. This is where we get the feast of Passover. Our Jewish friends celebrate it every year because God uh, passed over us in death, and he rescued us from the slavery to the Egyptians. You got that? And so Pharaoh's son died. Every other child that didn't have the blood on the doorpost died. All right, and, and we celebrate that Passover idea with a fuller fulfillment today because we believe in Jesus Christ who is a lamb of God, took away the sins of the world, and in that sense, God has passed over us in spiritual death and rescued us from the sin of slavery to sin. You see that? And so we understand a fuller idea of it being Jesus Christ as well. But anyway, so all of a sudden, uh, you have Israel. They're free now because Pharaoh's like, my son just died. Everybody's, everybody's firstborn male child died. Life's are dead and says, get out of here and they leave. God then says, okay, because I spared you, Israel, of all your firstborn male children and livestock, they are now to be set apart for me. All right, this is Exodus 13, if you want to write down and look at it later. They are now to be set apart. They are mine. So when you have a firstborn male child, he'll be set apart for me. When you have a firstborn male uh, livestock, they will be set apart for me. I will put them into work and service, uh, in the temple practices, whatever. And then in no, no, Numbers chapter 3, if you want to look, that, look at it later, he switches and says, you know what? About the same number of firstborn children that I spared you is the same number that we have in the, the tribe of Levi, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to switch it. You're going to give me that set-apart people group. It's going to be the tribe of Levi, and they're going to be my priests. All right? They're going to be, so one of the 12, almost like a tithe, one of the 12 of the tribes is going to be now set apart for me in service to be my priest, to make sure that you're doing right with God. You're in falling line with the Lord. Okay, now, the rest of Israel, you will promise me, since the tribe of Levi is not going to get any land in the promised land, and you all will, you will promise me that you will take a tenth of everything that you uh, receive, you produce out of the land, whether it's apples or oranges, whatever you're producing, grain, whatever it is, you will take a tenth of those elements and you will give them to me. You'll give them to me out of worship before me because I'm the one who supplies for you. And you'll take care of the tribe of Levi because they don't have their own land to tend to. That's where we get the beginning of this idea of a tithe. You'll bring a tenth of everything to me so that we can take care of the tribe of Levi. They're the ones who guard over your hearts and your minds before me. And so you'll take care of them. This is not a project type of giving. Okay? This is a, so very clearly, a regular type of giving. All right? 
And with that in mind, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 14. So open up your Bibles and go there. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible, it's on the screen for you, but get there for us and, and highlight whatever you see. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 22. And see, see if that setup of the context doesn't ring true with this. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all your fields produce every year. Okay, they didn't have currency like we have currency today. And so whatever they produced, they would trade, and that's, that's their currency. And so the resources you have set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce every year. Eat the tithe of your grain, your new oil, your new wine and oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God at the place he will choose as his dwelling place for his name. So that you will learn to revere the Lord your God always. So at this tabernacle or temple place, you're going to go and take a tent. You're actually going to celebrate before God. You're going to use it. Man, God, you gave me everything I have. And so I'm celebrating before you with other people that you provided for us. And so that you will learn in that, in, that, in that environment to revere the Lord your God always. But if that place is too distant and you've been blessed by the Lord your God and cannot carry the tithe because the place where the Lord chose to put his name, that would be the temple, it's too far away, then exchange your tithe for silver. This would be redeeming your tithe. We'll talk about that in a second. But exchange it for silver. I just can't carry all of my stuff to the temple of God, so I'm going to exchange it for silver. Take the silver with you and go to the place the Lord your God will choose, which is the temple. Use the silver to buy whatever you like. And so when you get there now you can use a silver and you can still participate in this eating and this celebration that God's provided for you because you can buy cattle, sheep, wine, or other fermented drink or anything you wish. And then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. And do not neglect the Levites living in your towns, for they have no allotment or inheritance of their own. This is back to the Levites again. At the end of three years, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store them in your town so that the Levites, who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, and the aliens and the fatherless and the widows and, uh, who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied, and so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. So we have this idea that the tithe was this thing that we made it deal with God. We're going to make sure we take care of this religious uh, environment, uh, you know, so that we can do the religious things. We're going to make sure we set a tenth of everything we get aside to them. And in the process, I love that line, that, that, that you may learn to revere your God always. Why? Because he's the one who's provided everything for me anyway. All of it's his already anyway. Today in our society, when we get paychecks and, and direct deposit, we, we lose sight of all that because we just think we did something. But in their day, they, they clearly understand it because if there's no rain, there's no crop, and if there's no crop, there's nothing to eat. If there's nothing to eat, we die. And so we need the God of the rain and the sun and, and natural disasters to bless us so we can have this. And so what he's saying is when you give back to God, you're saying, man, I'm going to give back to you. And then you rejoice. Look what he provided for us. Look what he's given us. 